other siders welcome back happy belated fourth of july independence day thank you for all that serve our country and continue to serve and who have served for our freedom we appreciate you we love you we thank you i am here with the frog to my lily pad mr rufino happy fourth of july on well we're recording this on the fifth but you guys get to hear it on the 6th. Yes, and happy birthday to my mom. Today is her birthday. Happy birthday. And we spent time over there today with uh, my nephew and our Patreons, our patrons. We'll get to see a little uh, story, video story uh, about today uh, when they sign on tomorrow. So I'm excited for that. Uh, just a little, little bit of silliness there. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you've been with us, uh, welcome back. We appreciate you all. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And uh, super exciting news. We hit 2,000 downloads last week. So, yay! Golf clap. Ooh. Golf clap. All right. <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you for supporting us and for sharing the love and uh, for giving us feedback. And we will continue to bring you the best of us every time that we do a show so thank you for that um so jeff i had a quote for you today fire away all right i'm excited so i want to make sure that you don't forget to drink water and that you get some sun because you're basically a house plant with more complicated emotions i i think i'm gonna say as one of my co-workers says i resemble that remark would i be your co-worker at this point um i do not want to chase down that rabbit hole choose wisely that's that's definitely not a line of question i played as soon as i said it i'm like wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) okay so i i don't have um anybody to bring that quote back to there's it's not marked with an author but It brings us to the point of today, and we're going to talk about analogies and examples for leadership. All right. Excellent. So today, I, after we came home uh, from celebrating mom's birthday, I took the dogs outside and I was looking at orchids that we've received. And there are orchids I received from uh, co-workers who have become family who sent them when my dad passed away mm-hmm. and uh, beautiful plant. I just, I, I don't have a green thumb to save my life, but there is like a, a green thumbelina that follows me around and just happens to sprinkle love on any plant that I have. Like I don't do anything to plants other than say hi to them and thank <laughs> them for being there and say, I hope you get everything that you need from outside because <laughs> it's not going to necessarily intentionally come from me. And so the one plant that we got started um, and, and they're orchids and they bloomed when we first had them. And then all of a sudden there was no more flowers on them. Gone, gone, completely gone. The leaves were dried up. But I didn't want to do anything different with it. You know, it was it was a memorial piece. It was something that was supposed to continue growing and I knew it had purpose. So I just thought it's out of season. Let it do what it's going to do. It's not hurting anybody by being where it is. Just leave the plant there. Leave the pot there. The pot is really pretty. It works. And so um, next the following season, it bloomed. 
And it bloomed around uh, the same, like a year anniversary of my dad passing. And um, it was even bigger and better than it had been. And my mom had given me this year more orchids. She's like, you know, you have a lot of good luck with orchids. You know, these are for your birthday. You know, here you go. And it was awesome. So I took the orchids that she gave me and I put them in the same vicinity as the originals thinking, okay, this environment works. You know, we have a pool in our backyard. So the original orchids were to the left and these new orchids are going to go to the right. They will get the same amount of rain, should it rain, and they'll get the same amount of sunlight, uh, same exposure. So they have to do the same as the original orchids because that those are the only variables. And what's interesting is, is that the new orchids that I have are leaning and like reaching for the sun in a different way. And the way that they're reaching for the sun is where the sun sets on our house, where the original orchids lean towards where the sun rises from our house. So even though they are the same plant, they need different things. The new orchids are fine with the amount of rainwater water that they get. Um, so like, you know, they're blooming and they're flourishing, but they are distinctly leaning away from the pot that they're in. And I found that so interesting. And I started thinking about it and I said, isn't that a great analogy to leadership that when we interview people for a role or when we build a team, we have a mindset of, okay, so when I came on as a leader to this group, this is the original group that worked the best. And it worked the best because I did X, Y, Z with them and they flourished. And maybe there was a point where, you know, there was a little bit of turnover or people grew in their role and had an opportunity to get promoted. So things changed, but we hung in there. We stuck through it together. We kept with the same plan and, you know, we had a little bit of a dip, but now they're back and they're growing and they're doing even better. So now that I'm building my team to be even greater, right? Taking it from great to greater. The new team that I had, I did the same thing with them. I also looked for the same qualities in the new team as the ones that I had in the original team. And yet they are doing their own thing and going rogue on me. (laughs) Yeah, And it's not that they're not giving me the results that I'm looking for. They are just doing it in their own way and adapting in their own way. So when I think of leadership, I think of how do you bring that back to your team and your people? And one of the reasons why I wanted to discuss this is that sometimes when we are in a business environment, when we're not at home, we're actually in the office or we're in the store, we're doing whatever it is that we do, we tend to put on that, that persona you know, from head to toe, you either have the hat on or you have the outfit on and you're bossed up, you're ready to go. And you can't see the other side of it. And you can't seem to comprehend why this new team won't do what the other team used to do. Like, what's the problem? Because you haven't changed. You just know that the faces have changed. And I think when you bring it back to something as simple as a little thing that you 
do at home, or if you're me, you don't do, you just put them outside and say, okay, do your thing. <laughs> um, you know, it, it relates it in a different way where you're like, okay, so they both need water. They both need sunlight. I gave that to both of them. The only difference is, is that they're separated from each other, yet they still have the same opportunity. Why is one doing it in a different way and leading in a different way? And in looking at that, it's a matter of, well, there are different variables because you're not the same person you were when you had the original orchids. You're a different person for the orchids you have now. So there's different plants there. There's different pots that they're in. There's different soil that they're in. And the sun is reaching for these orchids in different ways because you have one placed on the left-hand side that's probably a good 25 feet away from the others on the right-hand side. I think it's, I mean, the overall plant thing, <clears throat> I've been thinking it for, about it for a few minutes since we started talking about this um, this whole topic. And there's different, there, there are different types of plants, right? So you have, there are certain types of plants that need round the clock attention in order for them to grow. Like, like your kids. It could even be your kids and not even be work related. Yeah. Like I did everything with the first one and I'm doing the same thing with the second one, but you know, one is not like the other. Yeah. Um so it it is important to be cognizant of people's needs um and deferring needs. Some some teams um I know I've been part of specialized teams in where the more you micromanage the team, the less production you get because the team doesn't feel empowered to make project decisions that are necessary for success. And then there are other teams that need direction, that need that, you know, and sometimes it, it can depend on the on the person. Can I, go, can I just go back to something that you said? Um, I'm not going to wait for your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Go there, for there it. There was something that you said about... I have about, allowed you to continue. <laughs> allowed me. I'm going to pay for that later, <laughs> folks. There's something that you said where the team doesn't feel empowered to make decisions because of the micromanaging, right? Mm -hmm. The other, um, not the other side, but the, another added piece to that is the lack of adaptability that their leader or manager has in that if you're not empowering your team to make a decision... And yet they need to make a decision, but you've made yourself unavailable by choice because, you know, you choose to not answer your calls because you get too many calls or you get too many emails or because it's your lunch break and you're just not going to be there. You are enabling all this negative behavior and not adding to the solution. So just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of that boils down to knowing your audience, knowing the type of work you're doing. Um, case in point, uh, we can go all the way to, you know, retail, for example. And in retail, there is a definite org chart and there are people who are empowered to make customer type decisions. And there are people who are not just by design. Right. Um, whereas if you're working on, say, a project where you're designing a whole new user interface or something, right? Uh, somebody who is in charge of an aspect of the design, it's not really, um, I guess, 
effect time time effective. It's not a, a good use of their time to continually have to go back to the person managing the project and say, hey, is it OK if I move this line 10 pixels to the left? Mm-hmm. Is it OK if this box is not perfectly square? No, you should have milestones where you can go back and Correct. review. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and on the in in the the part of that, um, you know, you have an understanding of what parts of this decision making process are who's the who's the dri for that well i think also it makes me think of uh and i guess i apologize in the past (laughs) for uh my previous leaders because i would tend to you know i i understand what the job required i understand what the goal was and what needed to be done so once i found all that out i was like i was gone and I didn't communicate to my leaders often enough. Um, not for everybody. Some of them already understood me and how I worked and trusted the work that I put out there and trusted what the team was trying to achieve. Um, but I would go ahead and I would take that information to my team and we would do what needs to get done without communicating each and every milestone back to our leader because I didn't need to micromanage my leader on top of it because it goes both ways, right? You could either either have a leader that micromanages you or you are an employee that is micromanaging your uh, communication to your leader. And sometimes that could be overwhelming as well. Yeah. And actually, you bring up a good point because I'm I'm here focusing on the types of work that require micromanaging. But you're you well, even as as recently as this year, you were in a completely different scenario you're in a scenario that could require both Mm -hmm. and it really depends on the person so like if you're in field leadership one of the you you may have a field leader that is 100 percent comfortable coloring outside the lines but somehow the the picture comes out exactly the way you want it to and then you may have somebody else that needs a paint by numbers so they need well okay so what do you want me to do what does my week look like what do you want me to be doing monday tuesday i can Mm -hmm. execute for you but I really need you to give me guidance of what you want me to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of it, you have people who have leaders reporting to them and they want their their hands in every part of that environment. So they want to know what their team is doing. They know that whatever their team does reflects on them. So they really want, you know... I want to say control, but it's, I mean, I don't mean it in a bad way. They want a good reputation. Yeah. There, there is a good way to micromanage a situation without making it something excessive. Um, And then on the flip of that, you have managers that empower their teams. They are there to give them, you know, a helping hand when they need it. But for the most part, they say, you know, I picked you for a reason. You guys are really good at what you do uh we've we have touch bases so you actually know what i'm expecting and you got this and that's why i thrived under different leaders and why it i would seem unhappy under other leaders because the leaders that really knew me and understood my uh methods i guess for lack of a better phrase because it really wasn't methodical it was more of me building a team and working with them on mine on their mindset and what the goal was and empowering them to do what my leaders empowered me to do which is 
you think outside the box. It doesn't matter how you do it, get it done and, you know, have fun while you're doing it. And like, you know, let's see what this grows into, because maybe this will be something that we all do together. Right. And that you have to understand, okay, who is your, who are your leaders of the team of leaders you already have? Who are the ones that are going to be innovative? Who are the ones that are going to help follow that innovation and help push the curve? Who are the ones that are going to be challenged on that? Because maybe they're more analytical and they need the facts. And how much time can you give the people who are being innovative um, to build up some facts so that you can bring it back to the analytical ones in order for them to maybe follow a little bit quicker than they were in the beginning? Um, interesting, you know, one thing, it, it just occurred to me because prior to when we were discussing getting ready for this episode, you were seeing if there were other analogies. And I think I can, it just hit me that there, we can extend the analogy a little further. So if, if leadership, field leadership is like orchids, there are some that you need to water more. Um, some will respond better in the morning. Um, Clearly, that's not the you orchid. Some respond <laughs> well, better. Well, is it just field leadership or is it all leadership? Like, what made you pick field leadership? Well, I say field leadership because when you're talking about retail, when you're co- talking about call center work, when you're talking about um, stuff where you're not very, and I don't, I, I hesitate to say middle management because I don't mean office work. I mean being out where you are in a customer facing environment, there are minute to minute decisions that you make that are a little a little more pressured than when you're in an office environment and you have certain projects that have timelines. That's not to say it's a more high pressure environment because it isn't, but the I guess if I was to, to extend the analogy when you have your frontline workers, when you're talking about customer-facing roles and out in the field, you um, I've always referred to those types of employees as bonsai trees, meaning they can do really good work, but you have to give them guidance. And there are some companies, for example, that have guidance for what to do in case you have a rude customer or what to do in case there is a scenario where um, what what have you, how to, how to handle certain customer service inv- uh, scenarios. And you can have the friendliest of friendly employees, but if the guidance that you give them is, hey, we're not taking no nonsense today, you're going to see in a call center environment an employee hanging up, or you're going to see in a retail environment employees kicking in, <laughs> kicking customers out of the store and not providing them service. Whereas if you are very customer focused, there is, you know, there's an extreme there too, like you can overcorrect, but it really is like a bonsai tree where you, the bonsai tree is going to take the shape that you let it take. So you have to go in with shears a lot. You got to go in and cut it and, and, kind of guide it to what what kind of tree it's going to turn into and then you can just leave it alone for the most part for a while come back check on it because 
I growing up, um, my parents had bonsai trees. And so you didn't have to, they're almost like a cactus. You could just let it see, it, it could go ahead and it could grow and you cannot do anything to it, which is what I guess I have a habit of doing with plants. Or you could mold it into a shape, into mm-hmm. something, but it's never going to be that oak tree that you have in the front yard. Yeah. Right. So you have to understand, you know, is it realistic, the goals that I'm setting on the team or are there limits to it or is it limitless? Hey, other siders, are you looking for the perfect decoration to adorn your home with? Or what about a seasonal wreath for your favorite holiday exactly the way that you want it? Limitless Adornments creates beautifully unique 100% custom wreaths all year round. Each wreath is handmade and custom made to celebrate your favorite holiday, hobby, or just a place in your home. If you're interested in placing a custom order for your own personalized wreath, look up Limitless Adornments on Facebook, Instagram, and Etsy to make your perfect wreath a reality. Mention the other side to receive 10% off your first order. Okay, so we're going to take it to another analogy. And here's the the analogy that I'm going to bring into play. You could replace fur babies with real babies. You could replace fur babies with, I don't know, partners, whatever you'd like to uh, replace them with. If it doesn't fit your situation at your household. (laughs) Tamagotchis. Oh, from the 1900s. Yes. Okay. We we usually have to have some 1900s reference. Tamagotchis is it. I should have said Furbies instead of fur babies. <laughs> Furbies. I found out something about not to go way too down this, but uh, I think the the Department of Defense actually banned fur Furbies because they thought that they would repeat like government I, that's secrets. That's why I bought one. Well, not because I thought of the government secrets. I probably should have waited for you to finish <laughs> your sentence. I I thought the intention was the more you talk to it, the more. It learned your language and would speak back to you. Yeah. Never did. It always had the same stupid thing. So here I am talking to a stuffed animal and it could be Chucky for all I know. Anyway. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so as we were setting up and, um, you know, we got home and I finished my schoolwork and we started setting up for doing the show tonight. Um, I have Daisy who is my, our stand. I say my, but I mean, Yeah. She started out at Daddy's Girl, but she she's a she's all about mom. She's currently laying on me right now. Yeah. So Daisy and I have a different kind of communication, and Daisy will sit and stare at me, and she's like pleading with her eyes, trying to send me a message, and hoping that I interpret it like the Furby that she wishes I was, right? <laughs> that somehow I start speaking her language, and I had already taken the dogs out to do their thing before the show. Uh, You know, we we have a routine so that this way we don't have distractions and, you know, our fur babies are a part of our lives. So they're up here and they're just kind of laying out and chilling. But Daisy's giving me the stank eye and she's like getting more intense each time she's looking at me. And I'm putting it off, putting it off because, you know, we have plans for a show. We're talking. We're in the middle of a conversation. And um, she's pleading with me. And I'm just like, Daisy, we already went out. Like, no, we can't do this right now. And then I think to myself, okay, well, every time she does this, there's a reason for it. And there's always a result from it. So, all right, Jeff, you finish setting up. I'm going to go take the dogs outside so this way they can do their thing. And it makes me think of a phrase that I used years ago, uh, probably when we first got together, when we were talking about friends. 
and it was your urgency is not my emergency. Mm-hmm. And it was a matter of poor planning on your part doesn't mean that I have to have great planning on mine to help you out of your situation. And it was because the people that we had surrounded ourselves with were always in a situation of desperation and maybe always as a strong word, but there was always <laughs> a situation of desperation. And you know what I mean? You have those friends or you even have family members that call you and what is urgent to them because of poor planning all of a sudden now becomes your emergency to jump in and fix it. And so what was urgent to my dogs all of a sudden is an emergency emergency for me to go fix it because if I don't, then it's going to be very urgent that I fix <laughs> what they do in, you know, the room where it happens. So I take all three outside Max, um, you know, poor Max is over 10 years old. He's get, going blind and the fireworks are driving him crazy. He's just, you know, too much anxiety. He kind of hangs out and does not go outside. Pacino, our youngest one, um, who is who was born in October, runs outside and he does his thing. And thank goodness we went. Daisy didn't have to do anything. She just knew that Pacino had to and she was trying to grab my attention. Our dogs are snitches. <laughs> just letting you know. They're they're not snitches. They're parents and they know when there's a need and they know if you can't get the message across, I'm gonna do it for you, right? So knowing that Pacino's urgency had now become Daisy's emergency. (laughs) It changed our plans. And I think when you relate that back, I'm not saying your people are full of crap and you got to jump in and rescue them. That's not the intention here. It's just a matter of where does your flexibility and your adaptability, uh, I guess, deviations start to happen or do they at all for your team? And are you flexible for those scenarios? Because what happens is, is that if you're in a pace for a project, let's say, and you're on a steady pace, you're hitting your milestones, you're doing a great job, your team is right there with you, and then all of a sudden somebody forgot to do something, or they sent out an email that you know changes the course, and now we have to course correct, or you know there was a situation that you had recently where somebody changed the wording on a link and now all the documents had to be changed so that it matched up to be the end result of this link, right? When they clicked on it and you know, it, it changes and becomes a ripple effect for everybody involved. But how do you make sure that you don't get stressed about it? And I think that comes with time management and understanding like, okay, let's not plan this to the minute. Let's plan this out to the day because bringing it back to your point earlier, okay, on this day, do you want me to do this? On this day, do you want me to do that? On like Wednesdays, is it this? And in previous jobs, I have had that where they were like, okay, this day is supposed to be, you know, this is the detail oriented kind of day where you're planning your paperwork and planning all this out. And then maybe on Wednesday, this is your networking and your marketing day and your social media day. Well, I can do my social media networking and marketing all through the week and still get it done and still be effective because I'm spreading it out over five days versus just one solid day where nobody's going to be looking at it. But that's my method and that's how I go about getting results. However, if you're pigeonholing me to a specific thing because that's the rule, then you're going to get people that, you know, go in to get stuff done just to get it done, but not understand the why or believe in it. And then 
they start to become those people that feel negative in their role and they just don't feel like what they do has any value or importance because it's just another checkbox. I think that there's a uh, lot to unpack there. So <laughs> yeah, have at it. Uh, if you need to pause, go for it. But um, <laughs> I think that the um, the ability to be flexible at work, um, you know, in your in your personal life, it's a little easy to say, you know what, friend of mine, I'm seeing this from the outside, and it may not be an emergency that I don't know. You didn't get an order in for a baseball hat in time, and they're going to run out of them. That's what you think in your head, but really what physically happens is decline when the phone call <laughs> comes up. I mean, let's just be honest. Like, yeah. message, can't talk now, call later, question mark. <laughs> but I'll give you an example. Like, in in my current job, career, role, um, Thursdays, it is well known in Reporting my company day. that Thursday, yeah, see, even Tiff knows Thursday, <laughs> do not, don't plan anything on Thursday because Thursday there's a slew of reports that me and my project partner have to do. And that is our day to do those reports. So when meetings come up, we always say, how important is that meeting that you're doing it on a Thursday? And how badly do you want me? How badly do you want me to hurt your feelings when I say no? <laughs> and that comes with reputation of the person that books the meeting. Because yeah. if it's somebody that only reaches out when it's critical, then you know, okay, we're definitely taking this meeting. Yeah. But if it's Joe Schmo, but even and even then, there there have been people in pretty prominent positions that we've had to be like, hey, can can we meet you on Friday? Now, having said that, and and. Just for some background, the reason is because a lot of the reporting that I do in, in this role, uh, those Thursday reports are very time sensitive and therefore they have to be done at that time. However, every now and again, somebody presses the wrong button on something and a nuclear reactor goes down. Uh, not that I work in a nuclear power plant, but you get the analogy. Um when that happens and everything is about to explode, you suddenly say, you know what? It's Thursday, but everything's about to explode. So we need to go get the hoses and we need to put out whatever fire it is. And then, you know, the <laughs> the Thursday reports will be there when we get back. But this actually is important. And the important thing at that time is you don't sit there and ask whose fault it is. You don't sit there and ask, well, how come nobody prepared? You put the fire out. You handle the emergency. And then in the debrief or in the, you know, aftermath of everything, then you can look for the opportunities to make sure it doesn't happen again. But so in in business, it will be a little different. And that's not just like in a project world or in an office environment, in a customer environment too. Hey, we gave this customer the wrong stuff. You're not gonna sit there in front of a customer and be like, okay, John, why did you give this person the wrong stuff? This is the third time. You handle the issue and then you move on to the to the next thing. It makes me think of feedback that I received when I was newer to working uh, and I was newer to the environment of an office setting. And, you know, I had a manager that was 
definitely a manager. She was very stern when you saw her face. She wasn't very smiley or pleasant until you got to know her. And then you understood, you know, the expressions and everything else. But one of my very first performance reviews that was different than a retail review where, you know, retail reviews are, were a little different back then where you just check the box if they were doing their job, if they set the planograms, if they, you know, had perfect attendance, that sort of thing. This was more of a, a performance in, uh, in personal attributes, for lack of a better phrase. I keep saying that a lot today. I don't know why. Anywho. Um, and one of the things that she said to me was there seems, seems to be a lack of urgency in the tasks that you take on. And what I heard was you're lazy and you don't get things done. And so what I started to do was anticipate needs and provide things ahead of time so that I wouldn't be in a place where it looked like I had a lack of urgency. What it really was is that she was looking for the prestige with her leaders and she had to show that she was busier than she was and always hurried and always rushed in order to make it seem like she was valuable. Whereas I would sit back and say, I don't see why we're panicking about this. And I don't understand why me being calm about this is an issue. I still got it done before the time frame it was needed to. I just don't react the way that she wanted me to. However, the learning was, is that that's where the innovation came from, is how do I anticipate the needs of not only customers, but of my peers and of my leaders and also of myself so that I could be ahead of the curve and keep pushing forward instead of hanging out in the back. And by doing that, um, I think that's where the importance of the project has to come into play with communication in that as I continue to still be me and still be innovative, certain projects during the course of my career, just in working in general would be thrown out, you know, at us and we would have to accomplish them. And it's always hurry, 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 hurry. Oh, but we're going to wait on that. We're not going to release it yet. We're not going to, I see you smiling because you get it, right? So everybody stop what you're doing and put all your energy into this one thing. And just for the next two weeks, you're going to focus on this day in and day out. And I want you to breathe it, live it, eat it. This is what we are doing. And then you're in it for that week and a half for that period of time. And you're telling your team, okay, this is what we're doing. We got this. And then they're like, oh, wait, hold, hold on. Just we're not going to roll that out just yet because we hit a snag and that's okay. That's, that's where the adaptability and flexibility comes in, but you can only do that so many times in a short period, whereas there is no movement movement that starts to happen. The next time you call out something great that you have, because everybody's still waiting on that first thing, the second thing, the third, the fourth and the fifth that still haven't rolled out. And now you're rolling out this thing. Because your poor planning didn't prepare for innovation of like how this sixth thing that we're not working on that's supposed to be the urgency um, is going to cover the basis for the steps one through five. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, the thing that you said there that jumped out the most to me, and it's one of the things that drives me nuts about corporate life, is the business optics. Business optics drives me insane internally. And by that, I mean 
the fact that you have to appear a certain way to the people above you. Uh. Otherwise, it's like you're not doing anything. And I guess a retail example is one of the best ones I can give you. So anybody anybody out there that works retail uh, in management or above, you guys will get this. And if you have like a district or an area full of stores and something horrible happens, like there's a crash in the market or there's a uh, a complete move, a shift in the demographics and everybody moves out of a certain town or moves into a certain town or whatever. Something that's not in the control of the business that affects the business. Sometimes things like that happen and you don't have a solution. You know, your your sales went down because of this anomaly that happened, you know, some real estate crash or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And in those cases, it's important for people with business savvy to be honest and say, hey, this is what happened. We're going to tighten the belt or make adjustments, et cetera. But the reality is our numbers are going to be different. That's what's going to happen. And in some cases, what you'll see is little things like suddenly employees from one store and employees from other store, another store switch places. And it's something where it's like, hey, I'm doing something about it. You're not really doing anything about it. You're just appearing to do something. And what in, you know, that's just one example of a few hundred things that people in upper management could do to their teams. And what you could inadvertently do is destroy the morale of the team because they're thinking we did something wrong. And you have to change stuff because we did something wrong. When in reality, it's just, hey, something happened and you don't, you know, and either you're not comfortable enough explaining it or it's. I think that's really what it is. You're not comfortable explaining it. What's interesting is that you brought up uh, the retail being the result of showing that, you know, on my face, I look like I'm doing a lot of things and my hands are moving, but really nothing is getting accomplished because the first thing that came to mind for me was a business environment. And, uh, you know, I always think of those um, inflatable guys outside of the, the auto the <laughs> car dealerships. That's what I think about when I see that kind of leadership. <laughs> I want one of those for our front yard. <laughs> <Just Louis. laughs> I don't know what they're called. They have to have a name to them. But well, yeah, they're wacky, waving, inflatable, something, something. I, I, I remember they had a, a whole long name in one of the commercials, but I don't remember. I don't have the exact term. Well, I figure for a storefront, you have the ability to produce a visual result of what you've done, right? You know, I've re-merchandised this area. I've cleaned this area. I've moved the men's department. I've moved the ladies department. I've moved the focal point for our customers, all those different things. I've moved the advertisement. I've set up next uh, tomorrow's sales. I've set up July 4th sales or I've taken them down. Like there's always a visual so you can see, wow, you've been working, you've been busy. And you know, it's, it's a department manager that manager that can take credit and be like, yeah, you know, it's been slamming when really you have a team of 10 people that have been busting their butt all day, you know, Mm -hmm. doing this stuff. Um, so I think there's a visual already 
before you see the person that shows that there's productivity. Whereas in the office, you have to show it more in the body language and how fast you walk through the office and um, how often people see you at your desk versus, you know, being in the break room or outside smoking or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, my first experience in an office back in, it was still the 2000s, so not the 1900s, <laughs> but, um, you know, I would notice that the people who walked the quickest that didn't have the greatest first impression when you saw them, you know, they, they look kind of weary and worn out and, um, just kind of miserable. Um, they were the ones that had like the big offices <laughs> and then you had other people that were fast paced and were energetic and they were trying for a spot. Um, and they would be down the aisle from the person in that office. They were the ones that were quick paced and, you know, always making copies and always like in the office with the person and trying to show and display things because they didn't have a retail you know, place to show the work that they've done. They had to always look the part. And um, sometimes it's just relationships too, in that this person is always busy. This person is always friendly. I mean, that's how I promoted very quickly in the office environment. I was different. I, I didn't understand it to be any different than life itself. So I kind of uh, and this is something I had a conversation with with my marketing professor in that, uh, you know, one of the papers I had to write was about different forms of bi business communication. And I said, I don't know how I got through the early 2000s in an office setting with the communication that I had, because looking back, I'm kind of mortified at how immature it was with all the exclamations in my emails and all the cute quotes that I put in there and the different colors and stuff. But that made me stand out in different ways for being myself, um, for not, uh, I guess, going into the, the culture of competition because I didn't know what the competition was or what I was doing in that role or where I was going to move to, or if I even wanted, you know, for me, I started in that office role as a temp and I was getting supplies and I was making copies and handing out the mail and we would clean up the lunchroom and we would order lunches for the big meetings that were happening for the big executives. And I love the company because the company always stuck to the thought of, we don't have debt. We didn't start with debt. We won't have debt. And they stayed true to that because the places that their retail stores had always rented and never purchased. So they didn't have debt. They continued to pay their bills. And that's why we were so solid uh, when the market had crashed, you know, at that time. And um, anywho, so going back to the role that I had, you know, I was fine with giving out supplies and ordering lunches. I thought it was fun. I, I'm like, okay, cool. I can plan like this meeting for somebody. And then it turned into, okay, now you're going to meet this uh, executive that's coming in and you're going to onboard them and you're going to give them a tour of the office and introduce them to people. And it was the best thing for me because I had the personality to do it because I had built relationships because I didn't see why it was such a bad thing to talk to people in different departments. You know, I didn't see why it was such a bad thing to have uh, friendly conversations with people about just life in general and, and that sort of thing. And I, I guess that's breaking the corporate rule, but I did it because nobody told me it was an unspoken one. And so, um, you know, going ahead and even passing out mail to people I'd pass it out, you know, and deliver it and build relationships. And I built relationships with uh, fun departments and fun people. And 
at some point they would, you know, there was this one department that would always talk to me and they were always friendly and, you know, they'd always ask me, what do I want to do? What I love doing or what would I love doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I, you know, I'm just happy anywhere. And that turned into me going ahead and being, um, a compliance analyst with vendors and the organization. So I essentially, they created a role where I was the liaison between the vendors and the corporation itself, just by being me, instead of trying to show everybody I was an image of what they thought the role should be. And with the way that I built relationships so quickly, because I was just being me, they saw that I fit the role that they needed filled because they were having a problem with getting vendors to do what they asked them to do and also not to be angry about doing it their way. And so sometimes you have to think about what standards or what expectations did I have set for this role and for this person and when I brought them on and how willing am I to adapt to something different they might be doing that could take us from great to greater. And so think about that as you go through your week this week, think about what's going to be different that could change the game for you and your teams or you and your business. And while you're doing that, stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for joining us on the other side. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share. We'll see you next time on The Other Side Enterprise.